Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trump. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am, of course, Dan Garcia, joined with, of course, Mike Brown. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. So, busy week, busy weekend. Um, I wasn't I didn't wasn't on Wednesday. I ended up going to the game Wednesday for a major league. It was hopefully for a major league debut, but it was uh, Austin Warren's first day in uniform. So I went out for that game. So there wasn't anything Wednesday. So we can kind of talk about this the week in general real quickly. Obviously, you had the, the series that started with uh, Colorado. I believe they took two or three from that. And with the trade deadline was like, you know, the next couple of days, did that change your mind at all what the Angels should have done with the trade deadline? No, I mean, you know, the fan in me kind of in the back of my head was like, oh, I wonder if Perry's going to do something we're not expecting, you know. But at the end of the day, uh, it'd be silly to kind of like, I know a lot of Angels fans, I think earlier in the week were like, oh, you know, this is a must win game. You know, this is going to decide, you know, for buyers or sellers or anything like that. And that's that's kind of crazy. I don't think any GM is kind of sitting there saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to you know really think about this game being the deciding point whether, you know, I decide to buy or sell. So. Um, yeah, I figured that they, that, that they would be sellers, um, which, you know, they ended up being obviously they didn't sell every piece, but, um, yeah, some, some form of selling. Yeah. So they took two or three from Colorado and then obviously Oakland came into town where they dropped three out of the four. Um, Sunday was the debut of the angels. Number one pitching prospect, Reed Detmers. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but their struggles against Oakland, their struggles against good teams above 500 continues, what do you think it is that just, you know, they look so good against certain teams and then, again, like I said, the elite of the league come through and they are just not able to hang at all? Yeah, I mean, it just shows kind of the disparity right now between these, you know, between the Angels and, and kind of the really good teams. You know, it's like in July, we haven't, the starting pitching's actually been pretty good um, if you look at the numbers, but then, uh, you know, offensively, these games, we re- especially the games against the Athletics, we really miss, you know, having Mike in there. Yeah having Anthony and, and, uh, you know, having, um, Walsh, uh, Walsh in there as well. Yeah. I mean, th- these games really kind of show, show that we, we really need those guys because our starting pitching is coming around. Um, and yeah, it, with the A's, it's like, as long as I can remember the, the uh, games against the A's have always been really close. Um, and you know, we get a handful here, we get a handful of wins there, but, um, yeah, the A's completely own us this year. I almost, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing at this point. Yeah, you look. You mentioned the pitching too, and that's a really good point because obviously, coming into the season, coming into you know even three months into the season, it was very obvious that the pitching was going to be the issue for the Angels. Now it seems to more so not be such a a huge pitching problem as it is now just in the bullpen. Starters have actually been fairly good. Like if you look at the Oakland series, not counting today, not counting Sunday because of the whole Detmers uh, debut, and you know that stuff can get, get kind of rocky, but. If you look at the first three games against Oakland, they gave up uh, four runs, two runs, and one run. So, you know, good pitching performances. It's just the bad thing is, though, out of those three games, they were only able to score one run total, and that was for Saturday's 1-0 lead or 1-0 win that I don't know if the Angels have had a a 1-0 win all season long, but it definitely came Saturday night uh, or Saturday afternoon, I should say, against Oakland. But the pitching seems to be kind of turning a little bit of a corner. 
Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, guys like Sandoval, of course, have been pitching well. Berea had a really nice outing. And I think this is his second start um, yep. after coming kind of back. And I think his first start was pretty decent, too. Or he might have come in, like, from – I can't remember when – Yeah, Berea's first, first appearance was in Minnesota where he gave up those back-to-back home runs in the first inning and then went seven innings of – went the rest of the game. He ended up going seven innings but throwing six innings of shutout ball. And that's almost exactly what happened to uh, this last time too. He didn't give up a run for 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 quite a while, if any. So, um, yeah, he's looked really good at his last two appearances for sure. Yeah, so it's just a combination of things, you know. The starting pitching is kind of really clicking. You know, unfortunately, uh, Cobb is kind of linger has that kind of lingering. Um, well, it's, I think they're calling it a wrist. Yeah, issue. It, it, originally it said it was like a blister, and then now it came out. Um, I believe they option not option. Sorry, uh, put him on the IL Friday night. Uh, and it said it was like right wrist inflammation or I don't know. That was kind of weird how that came through and how it just seemed like it was something totally different than what everyone thought it was going to be when they saw him come out of the game, of, you know, a week, a week or so ago. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you see things kind of picking up a little bit in terms of the starting rotation. You hope, I mean, a guy like Sandoval now to me, he seems like a, a deadlock to be in the rotation now for, you know, a couple years at least. Um, you know, I feel like he's earned it. He's pitched really well. Suarez looks good. Berea looks good. Um, you know, you hope that, you know, we'll get to Devers. But, um, yeah, I mean, the young guys are kind of coming through a little bit. So it's nice to see. Definitely something to where, as Angel fans, I know we're not used to, but it's kind of like, wow, we actually have maybe something for the future. It always seems like – and, and it was going this way at the beginning of the year. A bunch of one-year yep. guys or guys on the last year of the contract. You're going to have to rebuild this whole thing next year. Now it kind of seems like – Obviously, with Otani doing well, and then like you mentioned, Sandoval, uh, Brea, Suarez, like, all right, now you don't really have to build as much anymore. These guys are coming back next year. The guys are going to be productive, hopefully productive next year, and have right. some kind of a foundation. So, one of those pitchers though that have been with the Angels since 2015 uh, got traded this deadline for the Angels. A very quiet deadline to about. I would say, what, like two hours, maybe two and a half hours before the actual deadline. I think it was one o'clock here. Yeah. Were you wondering if they were going to make a move at all? Or were you kind of, you know, what were your thoughts when you're the time, all this time's going and you're seeing big deal after big deal. And then there was nothing coming from the angels. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of funny like memes and stuff going around on angels Twitter. Like, you know, someone wake Perry up, what's he right. doing and that sort of thing. You know, I was kind of wondering too, but then, I was kind of thinking, I mean, the way that the, the market usually moves when, when you're talking about trades is usually like the, the big guys, the big names kind of go first. And then teams that aren't able to get like the Max Scherzer or the Craig Kimball, uh, Craig Kimbrell or whoever kind of maybe go to the next option. OK, who's that next option? Um, so I was waiting for those pieces to fall and they did. And then, you know, the first one that came out was the, uh, yeah, the Andrew Heaney trade. Yeah. The Andrew Heaney trade right here. Pull that up. Um, obviously Andrew Heaney goes to the Yankees and cash. So obviously the angels are going to, um, help with that a little bit, his, his contract, but they got two pitching prospects. And when was it Jason junk or Jason junk? When I first saw Heaney to Yankees for junk, I thought it was an Angels Twitter meme or Angels Twitter just being funny. I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then when I actually look at it, I'm like, oh, wow, his last name actually is junk. Okay, so I guess it's legit. So uh, that was the first trade that really happened. Uh, Again, Jason Junk and Elvis uh, Pregreo or something like that. Pregreo. Yeah. Horrible with names. But anyways – Two minor leaguers for Andrew Heaney and cash considerations to the Yankees. Um, what were your thoughts about the trade? Where were your thoughts about the guys if you, if you looked them up at all? Yeah, I mean, with with Heaney being gone, it's kind of bittersweet. You know, he was um, – he's, he's, you know, obviously the longest-running rotation piece that right. we had had um, going back to 2015. And I remember when he came up in 2015, there was a lot of positivity around him, a lot, a lot of optimism. He came, out of, he came out of the gates, like, really pitching really well. He, of course, came over in the Howie Kendrick trade um, from that previous offseason from the Marlins. Um, actually got traded to the, the Dodgers. Dodgers first. Yeah, yeah like an hour. To the Dodgers first and then got flipped over to the Angels for Howie Kendrick. Um, so I always wondered how his career would have been if he was a Dodger. But, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, you know, he pitched really well in that 2015 season, the beginning of that year. Um, and then, of course, he had his injury problems um, and then kind of inconsistent 
you know, from then on really, um, you know, posting the ERA and kind of the mid fours to low fives, you know, type of guy. Um, but going to the Yankees, he's probably a guy that probably fits in as kind of a nice depth piece to that Yankees rotation. Right. You know, he's, he's not going over there to be the ace. He's probably not even going over there to be kind of their middle guy or, you know, fit, fit in the middle of the rotation. He's kind of, uh, you know, heading up the back of the rotation there. So, um, yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, I did like him a lot. I kind of liked his mentality. You know, he was kind of a, kind of a bulldog out there on the mound and, um, you know, kind of a leader on that rotation. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of sorry to see him go in terms of the pieces that he got back. Um, you know, still a lot to be determined. Uh, Jansen junk looks like he was a 22nd round pick, uh, the Yankees back in 2017. Um, that's yeah, pretty much all I know about him. Uh, Paguero haven't really looked into too much. Uh, but junk is 25. He's a six foot one righty, uh, 177 pounds. Uh, looks like he's from Seattle university. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I guess we'll wait and see, but this is kind of along the lines of, um, you know, of what the, um, the goal of the, the front office was, uh, going back to the draft is just getting young arms, literally just stockpiling arms. Right. And so they literally did this again with this trade. Um, they weren't, they're not highly ranked Yankees prospects. I think they were kind of at the back end of their list of their top 30, but, um, yeah, yeah, junk was junk was twenty second or twenty third. Uh-huh. Uh, Pagan was not even ranked, and then now moved in over to the Angels' top thirty. There are, I think, they're uh, twenty one and twenty two. So um, again, not guys that are you're planning to make big contributions right away. Right. right. No, um, you know these guys might be relievers. You know, I've always said that. You know, a lot of systems, a lot of organizations they can at least get some arms to kind of be good. If they're not going to be starters, they can be kind of like, okay, these are going to be bullpen arms. And the Angels, you know, probably since like Cam Bedrosian when they drafted him and he ended up being a reliever since him and maybe like Middleton. I mean, that was fairly recently, but the Angels just can't. It's hard for the Angels, it seems, to even get good relievers. Because, I mean, you look at the the bullpen that Perry made, he kind of tore it down on a lot of these guys outside of C-Rod when he was in the bullpen aren't kind of homegrown guys. So, um, you know, obviously we have Warren now who's a homegrown guy, but um, yeah, maybe, maybe some of these stockpiled arms just end up being really effective bullpen arms. And we could definitely use those as well. Yeah. I think there's obviously you see with the draft, the, the, the main goal that was, and um, today was actually the deadline for that to sign your draft picks and the angels did sign 19 out of the 20, uh, draft picks this season. I think number I think number twenty was the one that didn't sign. Um, so the top, all the top nineteen guys all signed. All nineteen pitchers are going to be um, in the system at some point, and we have to see how that goes. But yeah, obviously with this Haney trade, it obviously signals to me that it, he wasn't a guy they were going to really target in the off season to for an extension. Mm-hmm. So they kind of felt already they were going to lose him for nothing if they let him walk. Because you're definitely I definitely don't think you're going to to um, extend him like a qualifying offer to try to get some kind of compensation for him. Because if you're stuck, if no one goes on it, obviously you're stuck with that qualifying offer. And I think if you go by how it's been going, because they don't bring out the official number to the end of the season. But if you just take the increase from last year and, and carry it over for this year, that's going to be a, a one year, $20 million contract. And I don't right. think you would want to spend $20 million on Andrew Heaney. Right. So, um, mm. I think it's a good move. I think it's a, I get like I, like like with you. Like I I remember Heaney when he was getting mm-hmm. traded and he got brought up, and he had great moments. He had great outings. He had stellar outings. But it just seems like whenever he seemed like he started building up momentum to get, have feel like make you feel like he's turning a corner, um, he would have two or three really bad outings. And now you're kind of back into that mm-hmm. same. Well, is he? Can he perform? Can he be this? Can he be that? Uh, which is unfortunate now. And you mentioned it. 2015 he got brought up the last player on the roster from 2015 is Andrew Mike Heaney. Trout. Oh Mike yeah, Trout. yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now that Andrew Heaney's gone, the last one there is Mike Trout. So, um and we're talking was it 6 6 years? Yeah. That's crazy how in 6 years literally your whole roster has got completely turned over yep. except for the best baseball player out there and probably definitely in our lifetime. So um, yeah. if it was, if he wasn't that guy, you probably would have been a good chance that he wouldn't even be there. So yeah. um, that was the first trade, Andrew Haney to New York. 
a little bit later, a little bit closer to the deadline. This one was probably like, I feel like it was like 15 minutes before the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Watson heads back to San Francisco for three arms. Um, again, I, I'm not sure exactly how all of them are going to um, translate as far as bullpen starters or anything like that. But Sam uh, Selman, a lefty who was probably like the main piece in that trade did come back uh, from the trade and actually pitched today. And he was the guy that um, you knew right away would, would fit into that bullpen uh, spot that Tony left right away. Yeah. Um, you know, Selman pitching a, a third of an inning, you know, today gave up a couple of hits, gave up a run, walked a guy. So, you know, I, not really sure what we're going to get out of him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we at least got three pieces back for Watson. Um, I think Marte is actually, uh, I think he actually pitched an inning yesterday um, for Rocket City. I could be wrong, but I did see something on my timeline come up um, saying that uh, yeah. Marte actually had a decent uh, outing. I think it was for for, for Rocket City. But um, yeah, I mean, three guys, uh, you know, three more arms. You know, there's obviously a theme here. Um <laughs> you know, the, the, the farm system is definitely rich in kind of athletic toolsy types, you know, the Jordan Adams of the world and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, Perry's definitely going to a position to need here in, uh, you know, across the board. It's, it's the, it's the MO of the front office right now is to get uh, young controllable arms. Um, whether these guys have upside or not, uh, not too sure. Can't really say that about any of these guys. Um, uh, to me, these these are just kind of arms to stockpile the system at this point, you know. Um, so we'll, we'll see what we'll see what becomes of them. But yeah, stock yeah. stock in the system. So pretty much all those guys, except for obviously Sam, who is actually up with the team right now, and I believe um, uh, no Elvis is there. No uh, Yvonne Armstrong, who was part of the Tony Watson trade. Everyone else is in Double A obviously excluding Sam, who is with the big league team. So a lot of double A talent right there. You know, we'll see how that translates and hopefully they're able to, again, contribute. Because if these guys can come up and just be solid bullpen pieces, you don't necessarily need um, them to be all-stars. I mean, especially for Watson, who is, like we mentioned, kind of like with Heaney, you knew at the end of the year you probably weren't going to resign him. You probably weren't going to let him go. So for to get anything for these guys, you have guys that have not, besides Sam, again, who pitched today, but even going back to the Heaney trade, all these guys have not broken into the majors yet. So when they do break in, whenever they do, you have complete control. You have the whole six-year control if that's how far you want to go. You don't have to worry about, I got to use this guy for the next two years, and then he's going to bounce. These are all very young, very controllable pitchers that hopefully has been an issue for the Angels, can develop into something, can develop into solid arms. Again, starters, probably not bullpen that's i think that's an awesome <laughs> place to start especially with what's happened with this season so um yeah how did you feel about it? so you got those two trades those are the only two trades a lot of names were kind of moved around a little bit but out of those two trades how do you think the angels uh came out um you know i think i think it's i think they did fine you know i i was kind of on the fence with um whether they should trade uh rysel iglesias or not um they obviously opted to not trade him which makes me think or at least hope that they're going to try to offer him an extension um in the off season um so i think they it, it it's intriguing though because uh you look at the craig kimbrell trade uh that sent kimbrell from the cubs to the white Sox and um Cubs got Nick Madrigal back, who's who was a consensus kind of top prospect for the White Sox for a long time. He even, I think, played some games in the majors this year before he got injured. And then he was, I think he played in the shortened season last year as well. Kind of like a David Fletcher, basically, of the, of the White Sox, kind of a high contact guy. So like, and they got a top prospect for half a season of Craig Kimbrell. I wonder what the Angels could have gotten for half a season of Rysel Iglesias, you know, definitely maybe a guy with upside like that. Um, and then maybe you do what the Yankees did with Chapman when they traded him to the Cubs and they re-sign him kind of in the off season. You know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I thought that was going to go, but not only that, but we have a question here to pull this up. Are these trades good? I think we both kind of talked about it. Yeah. Cause you have young controllable arms. Yeah. You have uh, mm-hmm. guys that can develop into a system for guys that you were not going to bring back. And then the second part of this question is what is the focus now for the, this season and beyond? So, Obviously, it, it, it it's kind of a mis not a miscommunication, but it's like 
it's obvious that they weren't buyers. It's even more obvious that they're giving up some pieces. Obviously, they're not huge pieces like you made with Razel, who have had you know the most value on the team. You can say, right? Um, but yeah, what is the focus you think of this team going forward? Is it just to compete with what they have, and if they make it great, or, or what? What? What's your idea of what's going on for the rest of the season? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it seems like with uh, the trade of Haney, they're kind of moved on from him. They weren't going to offer him a contract, obviously, in in, in, in the offseason. Um, Tony Watson, you know, just a bullpen piece that we could have moved for some controllable arms. So, yeah, at the end of the day, we got some controllable arms back. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a coin toss in terms of how they're going to turn out. Um, but, yeah, I think for the rest of the season, you know, obviously immediately after those trades or within a few hours after those trades, maybe it was the next morning, we got word that Detmers was getting the call up. Um, so I think the rest of the season is really going to be a chance to see what we have in Detmers, let him kind of get some major league experience, um, maybe call back up Chris Rodriguez and see if we can kind of slot him into the rotation. And I think it's going to be a lot of like seeing what we have for next season really at this point. Um, and the GM or Perry would probably tell you like, Oh, we still feel confident with the guys we have that, you know, we can still make a push and this and that, but it's going to be a lot of um, just kind of seeing what we got at this point um, for next year and hoping that, you know, Trout and, and, and Tony and, and, uh, Walsh can come back and also seeing what we have in, in Brandon Marsh too, who's uh, since he's come up, he's kind of been up and down. He's definitely flashed a lot of speed, a lot of defense, um, flashed a lot of pl- uh, patience at the plate as well. But um, yeah, we're going to look and see what we have with these young guys. And it's funny you mentioned March because that March, because that is a beautiful segue, I guess a little, uh, a little bit after the trade deadline, obviously all these reports come out saying, uh, this trade was close or that trade was close or this one almost happened, but didn't happen all the kind of that behind the scenes news starts leaking out. So there was a report out there that said uh, Marsh was rumored to go to the Marlins for one of their top pitchers. So uh, we got a question on Instagram. Would you trade one of our top young players? Rumors were Marsh. Rumors were Marsh was close to being, being traded. Um, so, yeah. So obviously, like I mentioned, he was rumored to be traded to a, the Marlins for one of their top pitchers. What would you have done? Do you, do you think it's still valuable or they're still valuable uh, Marsh and Adele and, and to get something of that caliber back, like that kind of high end pitching prospect? Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this for the last couple of years. I mean, I remember when you had me on this show, probably for like maybe the first or second time you're like, <laughs> do the angels trade Joe Adele? Do they trade Brandon Marsh? Right. And I was like, oh, it's really tough, you know, and that was two years ago and we were kind of fed up with like the angels not having like, you know, Young solid pitching. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think this, I think the fact that this trade didn't go through, um, makes some sense uh i think i don't know it, it was i think it was a marlins reporter who really kind of came out with this yeah uh, i think it was a marlin side that leaked yeah so it was basically, side. yeah it was basically a one-for-one one, uh brandon marsh for max meyer meyer was drafted last season um i think he went within the first 10 picks um he's a really high upside guy i mean this is like if he was to be placed in the angels um prospect list he'd probably be one or two now that marsh has kind of graduated to the to the top but this is kind of a a top press top prospect for a top prospect kind of trade uh, that would have gone down and it would have been a getting a top pitching prospect so what the angels need um so it's it's tough to say um you know obviously the trade didn't go through so we still have brandon marsh which is awesome um but yeah you're gonna probably see more trades of this kind explored, uh, especially in the off season. Um, right. like full, whole season of the, of the other guy to kind of mm-hmm. value. Cause yeah, I think Marsh at a half season probably isn't very valuable, but if you can get him for a full year and truly see what he can do or what he has, it's I think ups his value. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to see though, this off season. Okay. If they do trade Marsh, if they, do trade Adele if they do trade both because obviously time's kind of ticking on that outfield as far as Upton is a year older with one year left next year on his contract so um, it could be very easy for the Angels to pull a pull a pool holes for the most part and just eat the contract and then um, DFA uh, Upton next year if if need be I mean they've done it with pool holes for way more money than what Upton's going to be making next year but then you still need to fill in those two spots next to Trout mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously Eaton and Lagaris and and those guys aren't the long term solution for that outfield spot. Yeah, they, they're they're doing the job now, but 
I just don't see them trading Marsh unless it's a really good return. And I really don't see them trading Joe unless it's a really good return. Because like I said, after that, I mean, your next probably closest prospect outfield wise is Jordan Adams. And he's still in, in high A ball and has battled injury this season and has yet to be promoted to double A. So you got to see how that's going to affect the team or affect him. I just don't know if you can trade Marsh or Dale at this offseason again, unless there is an offer that absolutely blows your socks off and you you make it a you know a, a two for one deal or something like that. But if it's a one for one deal, I just don't know if you can make that make that yeah. because of the whole. They're right there. They are literally going to be in your starting lineup next year. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, yeah, because you 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 speak to an interesting point. Um, you know, we if we traded say Joe or Brandon. And we got like a controllable high upside pitching prospect. Then what do we do with the outfield? You know, we have right. Adams is a couple years away. Um, so then we we're filling one hole, but we're kind of revealing another hole on the team, which would be in the outfield. Um, so it's interesting. And, and it's, and another interesting point is that I thought that Marsh. I'm surprised that Marsh was kind of the trade piece in that because when they brought him up, and they hadn't brought up Joe yet. I was like, hmm. I was like, I wonder if Perry's thinking like Joe could be like a good like trade piece, or right. if anyone was going to get moved at this point. I was I was thinking, oh, it might just be Joe. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's funny too because we were talking to Red the other the other week uh, when he was on the podcast about um, if he got any sense as to what players in the system Perry kind of um, favored, or if you know if he was going to you know kind of come in and kind of be like, well, I didn't draft this guy. So I kind of want to use him as a trade piece. And the fact that, you know, Marsh's name is out there in trade talk um, is probably a sign that Perry kind of wants, might want to use some of these value pieces while he can to get pitching. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see more, more of this in the, in the, in the winter for sure. So. Yeah, I think too. I think again, those two guys are probably going to be the most talked about trade wise. I guess like I, I don't know how you do it. Because like you mentioned, you have no outfield depth anymore for some, for at least not depth that's available right away to, to for major league games. Because you know, you, you kind of have to start feeling at least a little bit more comfortable now with your rotation. Now that you've seen, like we mentioned before, Berea do well, uh, uh, Sandoval do really well, Suarez do well. You know, Otani's going to be there. He's bouncing back just nice from you know all the injuries he had. So. Um, Again, you you re-sign Cobb. You maybe you do sign a free agent, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a huge name free agent. Maybe hopefully a guy that can be like a Cobb, you know, or kind of like a guy that okay, he's all right, and then does he kind of outperforms what you thought? Like somebody like that yeah. would make a lot of sense, and then you don't necessarily wouldn't need that kind of arm in the. And don't get me wrong, you always need arms. Like uh, you right. always need arms, but. You know, to trade a guy that is going to be in your starting lineup next year, whether it's Adele or Marsh, and not having a solid backup in that situation makes it kind of I don't I because I really I really hope they don't think about going to like oh we'll trade Marsh and then we'll sign like a big time free agent in the outfield because that's never gonna never gonna turn out well regardless <laughs> if it's you know whoever yeah. out there it's just I rather keep the guys we have now they're young controllable cheap and then if you are gonna spend spend on bullpen pieces or maybe like i said spend on Cobb and then that extra that other depth piece for the rotation but i i i just hope they don't trade like jordan or uh, jordan uh joe and oh now we need a left fielder because upton's hurt or struggling or whatever right, right. And now we go overpay for a guy that's going to be just like an upton in, in three years so yeah 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 yeah, no, it's it's tricky for sure. Um, it's either that or you get like a journeyman guy to fill in for one season, but then it's like you're filling in you're, you're filling guys in for one season for forever. So you know, kind of like what they've been doing for the pitching staff. It seems yeah. like for a minute too is just yep. filling in like you know that that two, yep. three, four, five spot every year. Maybe like Otani <laughs> and then. That, you know, Heaney was like the carryover, and then that, yeah, that's that's kind of my argument for why they need to lock up uh, Iglesias. They can't, you know, if they say he he depart, you know, departs in free agency, it's like then we're starting over again to find another closer. You know, it's like so, yeah, gotta lock him up. That's a side note. Yeah, so here's another question we have: Is all we we were sellers? If so, we did a bad job. To be honest, do you think they did a bad job selling? Do you think they did a good job selling? Um, I think that's tough. Um, I think we got, I think, I think I would give them a B right now. I don't think we got an A, um, 
but yeah, I think, um, I think probably I've graded like a B. Um, I think if we, if we, if we had traded a Glacius, Rysel Glacius for, um, for like a higher end guy, higher end prospect, I think it would have been possible, but, um, or it's possible to grade this like an A, but yeah, I would say like a B. I don't think we did horribly. Yeah, I don't think, and this is kind of going back to the beginning of the trade deadline to trade talks, probably a couple weeks before. I didn't never thought they were going to make like a huge splash. Like I never thought they were going to get Brian or Serger or uh, Kimbra. I just didn't think they're good enough for you to go all in on those guys. And then maybe you make a wild card for teams like the Dodgers, teams like the White Sox, teams like San Diego, where they have a legit shot of winning a World Series because of what else is around that one player. It makes a total sense in the world. I just didn't think that was going to be for the Angels. So. Mm-hmm. Would I have liked to see Razel get get moved? I think I would have just because of the fact that you mentioned before. I, I'm sure the price was high. I'm sure what you could have got in return would have really, really helped this organization, um, the farm system and all that stuff. But they didn't. That's I'm fine with that. That's not how I would have played it, but I'm not upset about it. it I, honestly, I think it's going to be hard to grade this um, trade deadline until after – this season if they can re-sign Russell for like a three four year deal or whatever then great then i think it is a w because you have this guy if they don't right. and they lose him for nothing um then i think it's an l because you missed out on a, a big opportunity and one thing yep. too i wanted to ask someone people are bringing it up too it's like oh if we don't trade Russell, no problem or, or no problem if he doesn't resign we just give him the qualifying offer now, like I said before, that qualifying offer is going to be around uh, $20 million for one year. Do mm-hmm. you feel comfortable giving a qualifying offer to a reliever that has done well? You know, obviously he's had a hiccups here and there this season, but for the most part, he's done really well. But just knowing how relievers are so volatile and you just from one year to another, you just don't know what you're going to get. Would you feel comfortable extending that qualifying offer to Iglesias? Yeah, he said it's like a qualifying offer of like twenty million. One for twenty, I think, is a qualifying offer. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, that's too rich for 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 the you know the the how volatile a lot of these relievers are. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm a big Alasius guy, but I don't I don't know if that's yeah, it's tough that, to to do that would be would be tough. Yeah. Yeah, and just so people know that the qualifying offer last season was. 18.9 million that's a 1.1 million increase from the year from the previous year from 2019 so again i'm just throwing that 1.1 million to last year's um a qualifying offer and obviously that's 20 million dollars so that's kind of how i'm getting that number right there so yeah 20 million dollars to me also seems a very high number for a bullpen piece um but yeah like you it's just he's volatile you just don't know I mean, we were probably sitting at this point last year thinking about, wow, you know, Mike Meyer, he's he's trying to get things down. He's like to turn a point. And then also, too, you go to two years ago, Hansel Robles, Javier yep. Blanco, had a great 2000, uh, was it 2019? You thought, mm-hmm. or 2018, you thought he was going to be your closer for the next couple of years and then very next year, unable to get close to that. So I guess what Marcel has going for him is that it is he has that history of performing well to his right. name, right? But it still scares me when you're when you're talking about twenty million dollars for a reliever that you hope will work and you hope can pitch at least you know well I guess with him it's like one and a half innings, one point you know one and two thirds innings most most of the time. So um, yeah, but other yeah. than that, were you were you? Do you think they're going to move anyone else? Do you think they're going to move Cobb? Do you think they're going to move uh, Jose Iglesias? Do you see any other guy that you thought might be moved? Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, like Watson wasn't a guy that I was like, oh, you know, they're definitely going to trade Tony Watson, you know. So that was a little strange. Um, I'm glad they did move him because we at least got something for him. But, yeah, I was surprised there wasn't more kind of more action, really. Um, I don't know if Cobb not being able to get moved was more to like – excuse me him being injured or what but um yeah i was hoping that they would be able to move um but it's tough though because looking at the what the angels have to offer guys that are having good seasons that they'd be willing to trade there's not many guys not many guys in the angels that are having great seasons that you'd be willing to trade right so 
So at the that same time, that, like one year deal where it's like, oh, a rental, like it's not like a guy who has three years of control because you're not going to obviously you're not going to trade uh, uh, Fletcher or these guys that are under control. Like you're not going to trade Stassi. Hopefully they resign right. Stassi, but mm-hmm. I don't think they would sign him or re- uh, trade him either. Yeah. And going back to Heaney briefly, Heaney was actually a surprise. I probably thought Cobb would be gone more just because Cobb's having a, a, a good season. Heaney's kind of struggling. Um, so the fact that Heaney got moved, um, to a team like the Yankees, especially, um, seems kind of strange to me. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's more to the point of what uh, you know. Who else could they have moved? You know, because a lot of these guys that are on one-year deals uh, outside of Rysel kind of aren't really performing. So, yeah, that's the thing too. Like, you don't want to give up guys that are um, a couple years, a couple years left, and then you know you don't have them. You, there's no opportunity to like resign them or anything like that. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, trade deadline was fun. They moved a, a lot of players. Moved. I enjoyed it just pretty much as a baseball fan in, in general. Just, I think they said something like twenty all stars from this year's all star team got moved at the deadline. Like, yeah, that, to me, that's crazy. It's wow. just there's so many teams moved. Angels again are kind of stuck in the middle. It kind of sucks, but at least you kind of feel that stuff is, is kind of turning around. Obviously, still mm-hmm. quite a bit of the season left, but the pitching has done its job recently you hope it continues and then obviously the offense will come around when you have Rendon you have Trout you have Walsh back and you're able to kind of get into more of a flow so one guy though one guy that has not been up in the majors for a little bit but is could possibly contribute to that rotation next year um, is Griffin Canning and so one of the questions we have here what do you make of Griffin Canning going forward where do you see him is he a rotation piece? Is he kind of damaged goods at this point? Where do you see Griffin Canning right now at this at this point going forward? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I remember a lot of people kind of having really high hopes for him, maybe thinking that he was like at his like ceiling, he was going to be like maybe a solid number two or number three guy. Um, you know, over 62 innings with the, with the big club this year, he's got a 5.6 ERA. Um, and his FIP, which is fielding independent of pitching is 5.47. So like, it seems like the ERA is real. He's not like getting any like bad luck or anything like that when he goes right. out to the mound. Um, you know, last season he had an ERA just under four. He looked decent at times. I remember kind of the back, yeah, the back end of last season, which was the shortened season. Um, he had some starts against like Oakland and I think some starts like close out the season where I was like, Oh wow. He actually looks really good. Um, uh, he's still pretty young. I mean, he's 25. Um, so I still probably give him another shot. I think, I think his, his, uh, my projection of him has definitely like gone down. Um, I'm probably not as optimistic on him as I was in the future, but I definitely think he has a shot to kind of obviously, um, be in the rotation next season and compete and, um, try to kind of reclaim some of his value or some of his projected value. So I, yeah, I think we'll see him in the rotation next season if he's healthy. Um, and hopefully he can turn it around. I mean, he was a gold glove winner last year, right. which, which right. is crazy. It's like, <laughs> we're going to look back in 10 years and this is going to be a trivia question. Like what angels pitcher won a gold glove in 2020? We're going to be like, huh, there was an angels pitcher that won a yeah. gold glove in 2020. It's going to be such a random thing, but yeah, uh, you know, he'll be in the rotation hopefully next season. And uh, what we get out of him is really unpredictable at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're going to get out of him. Hopefully it's a health thing, more of a mental thing, and he can kind of work through the physical aspect of it, you know, going to AAA and having an offseason to recover. But I don't know why, but, like, we were talking about Andrew Heaney, and then I just started thinking about Canning. I'm like, God, is Canning going to be, like, the next Andrew Heaney where you see – moments of brilliance where it's like oh this guy can be a player this guy can really contribute but then the next outing gets lit up or maybe the next couple outings gets lit up and you're just kind of now you're second guessing yourself like oh maybe he can't be a legit starter a a legit number two and number three i don't know like right now and grant like you said he's young he's 25 you can get he can absolutely mature and blossom at 27 and still have a wonderful career for the angels but at this point you just I don't think you can help but to think like, man, is this going to be another canning issue where it's like, wow, he looked great on Tuesday, but come back around for the weekend. And it's like, what happened? You know, like, and I, yeah, hopefully it, that's not the issue, but it's just, I don't know. I'm getting a lot of those kind of vibes right now when you, when we're just talking about it right now. 
Yeah, it's it's weird too because he comes from UC. He's a UCLA guy. You know, UCLA has a lot has a high pedigree of pitching prospects that have come through and really shown. Um, you know, obviously Trevor Bauer was a UCLA guy. I believe Garrett Cole was a UCLA guy. Um, Canning. So like they're known for turning out good pitchers. It's just like um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Spotify Green Room. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, which is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join. That's it. It's that easy. So go ahead and check out Spotify Green Room. So now we are going to look at the schedule, looking ahead a little bit. Um, Angels play the next three, next four, sorry, out in Texas uh, against the Rangers, who also did a little selling of their own. Uh, Joey Gallo, the bat that seemed to always kill the Angels, is now in New York. Um, were you surprised that Gallo, first of all, just went to New York in general? Um, no, uh, I, I'm not surprised that he got traded from the Rangers. That's right. I was, I was, I figured that. I just didn't know. I guess my biggest thing was like, man, I didn't realize New York was going to be that big of a player, seeing <laughs> that Boston yeah. and uh, the Rays seem to be just moving quite a bit yeah. ahead of them. And I thought if they did, it would be pitching. So the Heaney thing made complete sense. They need right. depth. Yeah, I mean, their lineup is really weird. I mean, like, they're giving regular bats like Rugnit Odor, who's, like, not great anymore. Um, you know, their offense has been kind of struggling. Brett, Nar- Brett, Brett Gardner's not that great anymore. Um, but, yeah, Gallo is uh, – I could see him hitting a bunch of home runs in that stadium with that short porch and right. left, uh, left field. Um, but, yeah, I'm just glad the Angels don't have to face him anymore in, in the West for sure. So, yeah, so we got four against Texas uh, starting Monday. 505 start all the way through until Thursday, where Thursday they have an 1105 getaway day um, out in Texas and then come back to Southern California to face the Dodgers next weekend, which should be a fun little rivalry. And obviously, yep. Dodgers should have Trey Turner, should have Max Scherzer. Uh, you know, maybe he'll pitches during the Dodgers series or the Angel series. Maybe he doesn't, but he should be good to go. A lot of Angel fans, well, I'm not going to say a lot of Angel fans, but there was a handful of Angel fans who really wanted uh, Max to come to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. To me, that never made sense. And I went on Instagram Live or probably even here too saying, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, he's going to get you so far, but unless you can get that bullpen situated, he can go, you know, seven shutout innings every time. And it's still going to be a toss-up. Did you want Max or were you kind of like, that's not realistic for where the Angels are right now? Yeah, it's not realistic, really. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, it seems like what Perry's interested in is developing kind of younger guys to kind of come through the pipeline and kind of, you know, guys like Reed Detmers, guys like, um, you know, recently drafted Sam Bachman. It seems like he's interested in stockpiling young arms and developing those arms into guys that you can really like, you know, hang your hat on type thing. Um, you know, this offseason, we'll see what kind of pitching moves he makes. I I would put my mortgage on it now that Perry's going to go use one of our top guys to like we were talking about earlier and get like a young, really high upside kind of like pitching prospect. I think that's going to happen. So I don't think it's in Perry's MO to like go and get like a 37 year old Max Scherzer, obviously like, you know, he would help any team at this point, but long-term, like uh, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, he only has so many bullets left in the chamber, and you just don't know. At 37, you have a feeling that that's running out really quickly, but mm-hmm. you, with with Max, I guess he's one of those freak pitchers, kind of like Nolan Ryan, where he you know, he might be able to go to. He's 42. Who knows? But um, if you're going to take it as far as what the, the norm is, he's you know, he's, he's definitely at the end of his career, towards the end of his career. Um, but that's going to be the next week of games, the Rangers and then the Dodgers. Um but again, the issue with the Angels is always going to be facing the teams that are above 500, above, you know, playoff contending teams. And that's what the Dodgers are next week. Not so much the Rangers, but the Dodgers. So um, they can get on a good run here with the, the Rangers. It's just now you might have to come back to earth a little bit against the Dodgers. So um, 
something else that happened this past week, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast, and that is we had two debuts this week alone. And I don't know about you, but it seems like this year more so than other years, we're having a lot of major league debuts for the Angels. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, when guys aren't getting it done, um, at the big league level, you gotta, you gotta kind of bring up guys from the farm and, uh, we've definitely had a lot of that. So, yeah, but to me, it's always felt like the angels have the guy in game done. Okay. They'll DFA him and sign some other guy off the street that had pitched, you know, five seasons in the, in the majors. And now let's give him another shot. Like this is like the first time where I remember pitching wise quite a bit that they're like bringing up guys, mm-hmm. you know, like, Again, pitching-wise, we're talking about Chris Rodriguez at the beginning of the year. I didn't expect him to make a debut, but with a, a spring train like he had, he was he definitely had the hot hand. And like you mentioned before, rumor has it that he's going to start Monday night as a you know as his first start as an Angels pitcher. So that's something interesting to see. Um, you have Andrew Wants again, another young guy um, from Salt Lake making his debut, bullpen guy that you know had had moments. He looked good at moments. Uh, some moments you, you could tell that he was kind of in that in that in between majors triple A kind of thing, but a guy that you know maybe can come up later, if not this year, next year, and kind of contribute a little bit. You had Austin Warren. Um, yep. We saw what he did when he came in. Bases loaded, two outs against the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. Here you go, you know. And to me, that was kind of like, oh, I, I was really hoping they weren't setting up that kid to fail. Just right. personally knowing him, knowing his family and stuff like that is just like. You right. hope that he got put into a good situation, but <laughs> got got in on the guy's hands, got an easy ground ball, mm-hmm. covered it. Next inning, one, two, three. So um, he pitched today. He gave up a couple hits. One of them, there should have been a strike uh, three call before it, so whatever. Yeah. But he's looked good as well. And then obviously today, the big announcement, or not a big announcement, was a couple days ago, but the big start was Reed Detmers on the mound for the Angels first time again. Uh, number one pitching prospect for the Angels, number two prospect overall for the Angels. And um, what did you think of his performance? What did you think of him on the mound? What did you think about um, just his outing in general? Yeah, I mean, those first couple innings went by pretty smoothly enough, really. Um, I think in the first inning, he had like two strikeouts and walked a guy, but um, got out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, he looks pretty composed out there. Um, even after giving up those five runs in the third, I believe he came out for the fourth and looked decently. Um, it's just his fastball got, got crushed, um, when he did, when he left it kind of in the zone there, obviously the young gums homer was on like a 93 mile an hour fastball that he kind of left out there over the middle of the plate. And the same thing with the Matt Olson, uh, homer was like another 93 mile an hour fastball that just kind of he kind of just left it out there really um, to get hit. So I know he was giving up uh, as well as he pitched in double A, he had been giving up a few homers um, here and there. So it's just something he's going to have to work on. The curveball was probably the pitch that looked the, the best t- today. Um, and that's kind of, that was kind of his premier pitch kind of coming out of college that we all saw in the draft. You know, we all saw those videos of him in Louisville kind of just like flipping that curveball that he puts over the plate at like 77 or 75 or whatever. So the curveball looked good. Um, he looked pretty composed out there. It's 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 hard to make a debut, you know. Not, not many guys don't get hit around in their debut, especially with a guy that's pitched one game at AAA. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, it'll be. I don't think they'll send him down. I think they might just let him finish out the season. I don't know if they think that he probably has nothing else to show, like in the minors right. um, at this point, but. We'll see how early spring starts uh, or in spring training how he goes. And I could see a situation where they put him back in AAA like at the beginning to start next year and then maybe bring him up kind of a couple months in. Yeah, and especially, too, if, if, if you re-sign Cobb, you get another free agent. That's two guys right there. Obviously, Otani, Sandoval, um, Suarez. You know, maybe he's competing for that sixth spot with like Canning and C Rod and you know him. So yeah, I can definitely see that at the beginning of next year, him kind of battling out for that sixth spot. If yeah. you know, we'll see how the rest of this year goes. But um, four and a third innings pitch, six hits, six runs, two walks, two strikeouts, and like you mentioned, the two home runs. Um, yeah, it's hard to make a debut. It's and, and and especially for starting. It's so much hype behind it, and you know, you look at some of the debuts like Austin and. And Andrew wants these guys are coming out of the bullpen. So, like I know for Austin for sure, he didn't pitch the first day he was actually in uniform. So, seeing him that day, you can tell that he was kind of 
ramped up. Like he was, the adrenaline was pumping. He was there. He made it. Maybe it was the best thing in the world for him not to pitch that first day. You know, he come back the second day. Stuff's a little bit more familiar. You know, obviously the first day he's never been to Angel Stadium. He's never walked through those tunnels. He's never been in the dugout. He's never been in the clubhouse. Now the second day, it's a little more familiar. You kind of now know you're there. And then comes out that second day and performs really well. So maybe that's it with Demers. Maybe, you know, he walks into the to the to the dugout for the first time wearing that uniform. He's all amped up, um, loses a little bit of control because that's pretty much what it was. It was just control. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe you know. I think you're right though. I think you need to give him two, three, maybe even four starts before you really get an idea of what this kid is capable of, or even if maybe you do need to send him down to finish off the year in AAA or wherever. But I definitely think if you send him down now, it's way too soon. You have to give him an opportunity where his adrenaline can settle a little bit. Cause I'm sure yeah. that adrenaline was just going crazy during that game. Right. Yeah. I think he, yeah, I'd be shocked if, yeah, I, I think he does finish the season with a big league team. Um, Cause I, they even stretched him out a little bit. I mean, he had 82 pitches um, today over four and a third. And I thought maybe after the third, after giving up that five spot, I thought, mm, you know, maybe they'll go to the maybe Madden will go to the bullpen here, but they actually let him come out for the fourth, um, and I think that was probably a good a good confidence booster. And they let him go eighty two pitches, which is um, pretty, you know, a lot of our starters who have been in the big leagues for ten years <laughs> throw eighty two pitches in an outing, you know. So yeah. um, that was interesting. So yeah, we'll see we'll see what we get out of him the rest of the year. Yeah, and I asked that question ahead of time too. If there was a pitch limit, if there was a pitch cap. And it wasn't really a firm cap from the response I got back. It wasn't really a, a firm cap where like, you know, you hear about it like 85, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. whatever he's at, we're taking them out or whatever. Because um, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he did go over 100 a couple times. I know once for sure, I think maybe another time in double A. So he's already familiar with that. He's already familiar right. with that workload. He already was for the most part stretched out. So that's another thing too. If he does fix his command, if he does kind of tighten things up a little bit, he is a guy that can go deep in the games. He's a guy that can get you seven innings on 103, you know, balls thrown yeah. uh, and something to kind of look out for. You mentioned about him staying up. And then we kind of talked about it before with Chris Rodriguez coming back up probably at the end of the year or not the end of the year um, tomorrow, Monday at the end of the week. Uh, so you got Jaime Barea, you got um, obviously Otani. You have Sandoval. You have Suarez. Yeah, then I guess so. You have. I'm just thinking though, when when Cobb comes back, you're going to have too many starting pitchers. You're going to have more than six starting pitchers. It seems like so. Yeah. If he does finish the 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 season in majors, do you think it's going to be as a starter, or do you think he once Cobb gets back, he makes a transition to the bullpen for the rest of the year, and then competes next year for that starting spot uh that would be interesting um you know i think uh, i think warren probably can kind of hang there as our lefty out of the bullpen for the rest of the season um now that claudio has been dfa'd a little bit ago so i think i don't really see that happening um if anything when Cobb comes back i could see berea kind of going back down yeah, Bree is like a, he's just kind of a guy that's always come up and come, come down and come up and come down and, and gone down so um, even as well as Bree has pitched, um, I think they really want to give an extended look to 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 read Demers a little bit. Um, so this is this is my only thing in thinking out loud and looking at the the, the roster right now is that uh, Austin Warren is a righty, so um, <laughs> so he's a righty. So the, right now, the only lefty pin person you have in the pen is sam selman the one they just got for uh, there we go, there we go. Mm-hmm. So he's the only lefty in the pen but if he struggles and he cannot perform you, you might have to put detmers in the pen as as a lefty not lefty specialist because obviously there's right. the first thing but right. you know if the first two guys in the, in the line in the you know inning are lefties put him in and then you know after that he can get you some more innings um, yeah. but you have him you have oh no not, he's not the only lefty you have quintana obviously too um but I, I don't know. It just and then Kahada uh, K- uh, too, right? Kahada. I think Kahada's the guy that's that might be the odd man out. Yeah, and so you're he, probably right. And he's going to be sent down. I think I don't know, but I think he might be the odd man out. But still, if if you need a lefty guy to give you innings, because I don't necessarily know if Mikatana is supposed to be able to give you innings. That's still been a very kind of questionable thing all year long, as far as 
what he can and can't give you. But yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I hope that Detmers stays up. I hope Detmers gets stretched out. But Cobb, I'm trying to think about Cobb, Otani, um, as there's like a whole bunch of firefighters just whizzing by the house. Um, Otani, Cobb, uh, Sandoval, Suarez, Berea, Detmers at six, Rodriguez would be seven. So, no. you know, it's amazing to see. Um, Otani got pushed back again. So we're not sure if he's going to pitch in the late in the Texas series or in that Dodger Stadium. Right. He's supposed to pitch Monday. Right. So maybe that's a bigger issue than people are letting on. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they shut him down. Maybe they don't go to him every six day now that they're kind of out of it. And then maybe he only pitches once every couple weeks. And now you have enough, you know, bullpen arm or enough arms to fill in the gaps. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a possibility. You know, I feel like there's no reason now to kind of like really, you know, grind Otani into the ground with starts and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. Let him go after 61. This, this Otani, we want you to get 61. Let's just, just, just focus on that. Get 61. We'll let you get your Cy Young another year, but just get 61 for us and let's put that on a T-shirt. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he needs like a three homer game kind of thrown in there. Yeah. So maybe a couple three homer games and then we can talk. But yeah, I think, I think he ends up like really either at 50 or like really close to 50. Yeah. I think, like I said before, I think we've talked about it before the angels yeah. single season, um, home run record is by uh, gloss and remember i think you said too uh trout got really close one year mm-hmm. and uh was just off of it i think it's like 48 or 49 something or something around there and i think like 52 for otani is very very doable and maybe that's what he goes for maybe he sets the all-time angel single season record in yeah. home runs so and still something that's awesome to kind of cheer for and stuff like that so so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the All Angels Podcast. Again, uh, you can follow me and you follow us on Halo Haven, Halo underscore Haven on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, follow the YouTube page, uh, All Angels Podcast YouTube page. Obviously, follow the podcast, subscribe, rate, review. Emails, send in at allangelspodcast at gmail.com or, again, any kind of DMs at our social media sites. Uh, Mike, where can they follow you? Uh, yeah, give me a follow at ChewingCast. Um, yeah, on Twitter. All right. So, uh, for Michael Brown, I am Dan Garcia, and you listen to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. 
The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.